Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This this is the Blue Horseshoe with your host, George Brummer and Ryan Hickey. Welcome in to the post-game edition, the surprising, truly unbelievable post-game edition of the Blue Horseshoe podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Brummer here with you after the Colts make history uh, and what is a 39-36 overtime loss to the Vikings in which they have the biggest blown lead in NFL history, 33-0 all in the second half, George, we were joking about a 33 fourth quarter for the Vikings after we saw the Cowboys did the last on the Colts route. And they, uh, Minnesota did, uh, did surpass that with a 39 point second half, uh, and overtime as they make history. And I think like the only way, I don't know if we're allowed to do this, but I think uh, after this, it's kind of worth it. I think the only way to start this pod, George, is I crack it up with a cold one here. Cause I think after <laughs> this game, we all need a little liquid courage to just actually try to figure out what the hell we just witnessed. Cause that was, Again, for how bad the season's gone, Colts found a new low this week and finding a way to just make it worse. Well, they've been outscored 62 to nothing from the end of the third quarter uh, in the last two weeks now, which is an incredible number in and of itself. That's just one. I'm looking at some tweets, you know, from ESPN, their uh, sports and information department, which is one of the most incredible things going uh, out there anywhere right now. And Colts had a 99 percent chance of winning with a 33 to nothing lead with eight minutes and 30 seconds to go in the third quarter uh here we are talking about a 39 to 36 loss to minnesota i would say it's unbelievable but can we really call anything unbelievable and that surrounds the 2022 indianapolis colts no in a season like you said that it like we are the ones especially that could attest to this the most because we've at least been here every week picking the you know picking the um picking the games and it feels like anytime we both have a good feel about how a game is going to go, good or bad. The Colts find a way to just surprise you, shock you, and take it into a twist where you don't believe coming. And you know the most frustrating part with this loss, George, is the fact that this loss, I think, is actually beneficial for the Colts in terms of the future. I think at this point, winning games is not good for the Colts. You want to lose as many as possible. And at the end of the day, mission accomplished, right? They're 4-9-1. They're only going to move up in the draft, and you get that much closer to maybe getting a shot at Bryce Young. But even when you lose, even when before the game, you said the Colts lose, okay, fine, there's really no reason to be upset. You are still finding yourself conflicted. We're honestly going through the game, George, to see the Vikings slowly making a comeback. 
this to me got to a point where it was a lose-lose because either you blow and you make history blowing a 33 sec uh, to nothing second half lead and you blow the biggest lead in NFL history, you become a laughing stock and a joke, or you win the game, you hurt your draft stock, and maybe you you catalyze this team, catalyze Jeff Saturday, where in a dominant win over a playoff team, maybe Jim Mercy starts saying, oh, Jeff Saturday, maybe he's a coach. Maybe that this team can, you know, make a run and go 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and so it's like there was no positive outcome. That's the, the most frustrating part is they lose. It's still it's still crushing. It's still not good. They win. It's not good at all. Like it was a lose-lose situation. That's the most frustrating part because Colts, they put their fans all season long in an impossible situation. Now that none was more impossible than what we saw just hours ago. No. Uh, you know. Again, I, I just I've gotten to the point where nothing surprises me this year. I, I've come to expect anything. So I'm more surprised they had a 33 point lead than I am that they blew a 33 point lead. I mean, of the two, the first half was far more surprising to me than the second half. My big question now is, you know, Jeff Saturday's done a pretty good job of, of keeping this team together, um, keeping them from, you know, doing anything in terms of just tanking straight out you know what i mean you really haven't seen them come out and and come out flat and, and look like the effort's not there or anything like that it, it feels like it's gonna be hard to keep that up after this one i mean this is one of those losses that it feels like it's gonna be very difficult to come back from now I, I felt the same way about the fourth quarter against dallas and they obviously came back from that really strong for two quarters today uh but another huge challenge on his hands and what will just be, what, his sixth game as an NFL head coach uh, to try to get these guys back on track because uh, that 33-point deficit, it's the largest overcome in NFL history. That's that's going to stick with you. Oh, without a doubt. And I think that's – and that goes to where we can just put the final nail in the coffin of Jeff Saturday, right, as head coach. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought – we talked about this on the preview pod, right, and even earlier in the week. So if you miss any of those uh, pods where me and George kind of break it down, in, in large part quarterbacks, but also, too, head coaching search, we were discussing Jeff Saturday's, um, you know, possible candidacy when he talked earlier this week about kind of going all in for the job and wanting to interview and, and trying to actually, you know, become the full-time head coach permanently. We talked – if you missed that, go back, check out the Blue Horseshoe pod, wherever you get your podcasts. But also we talked about giving him a chance. It was minuscule. Right? We gave him a small chance. And I can't lie, George. When you're looking at how the Colts are playing, where in the first half, by far, played the best first half offense, defense, special teams of the entire season, maybe in a year and a half. You got to go back a long ways away, even last year, where they played a full, complete game in all three stages. You're like, well, I'm, you, this team looks galvanized. They're playing hard for them. And the way you're just right now handling a team that's going to be in the playoffs and maybe to be the number two overall seed in the NFC, it's tough to maybe think, like, if you're Jim Irsay, well, maybe you actually start to give Jeff Saturday a real look and maybe things turn around. And I think it's it's fair to say, any thought, no matter how small it was, any thought of Jeff Saturday being this team's head coach going forward, it's kaput, it's gone, poof, see you later, no shot. Yeah, I mean, we talked coming out of the bye week that it was an interesting situation for him because you, you did have the bye, you had a chance to kind of look through some things and sort some things out. It was really probably the first chance he had to put any kind of stamp on this team uh, given the way that he took over and the timing of when he took over. Uh, and that's what I was thinking in the first half was, you know, he came through and with his very first opportunity, uh, he came out and, and they looked really good. And he obviously made some changes uh, that needed to be made. And even then, though, I was thinking, well, you're going to see how these other three games go, because we've learned anything this year. It's not to put too much on any one performance. You know, this the biggest thing with this team has been inconsistency. And now, uh, they did it within 
within the same game. I mean, these two halves could not have been any more different. You're ahead 33 to nothing at halftime. You get outscored 36 to three in the huh. second half and then lose the game in overtime. Uh, for me, the toughest thing is is really putting, you know, who do you blame the most? Obviously, the defense has to hold a 33 to nothing lead. I don't care what the offense does or doesn't do. The defense has to hold yeah. a 33 point lead. That's the most obvious statement out there. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like they went too conservative too soon. Um, even that the last field goal in the first half, you, you had a chance to be more aggressive on that drive before you're kicking the field goal. Um, and especially with an offense that, that you know has not been good all year long. You had some opportunities, I think, to, to kind of push push the, the pedal down a little bit more in the first half and in the third quarter. I think they took their foot off the gas too early. But at the end of the day, uh, the defensive performance in the last, I guess, 23 minutes of, of regulation and then 33 minutes overall with overtime is completely unacceptable. You, you can't – it wasn't – you know, the Dallas game, there's 54 points but there were turnovers and short fields and there were mitigating circumstances. There's only one turnover in this whole mix today. Uh, this was just big plays allowed by this defense, things they hadn't done all year long. Total collapse. Um, everybody shares it. Maybe special teams doesn't. They played really well. They got the block punch, yeah. scored a touchdown, had, uh, what, five field goals, I think, from, from Chase McLaughlin. So I'll give the special teams a pass. Everybody else today gets an F. Without a doubt. And it's just... You know the most frustrating part too is especially in the first half where you're again up 33. Like I don't think we can repeat that enough. 33 nothing at halftime. You know what the crazy part is? I wonder about your thoughts just about this, George. I honestly didn't think the Colts played like great. Like I thought defensively they were outstanding. But like you look at how Minnesota played, they gave you a few freebie turnovers. Kirk Cousins was not very good. I thought Stephon Gilmore was tremendous and they did a great job in the first half taking away Justin Jefferson. But especially offensively, like this Minnesota defense is horrendous. But it didn't feel like the Colts were, like, truly – like I feel like there was more just Minnesota playing bad on all three levels than it was um, the Colts playing, like, great. And then it's like you said, like, you couple that with just a, a total collapse. And you know the most frustrating part, too, is about the, the collapse of the second half? Usually you can kind of see it coming a little bit where coming out of the locker room with the Vikings getting the football, you would think, okay, Kevin O'Connell maybe will give him a kick in the ass – and they'll come out with a, a good drive, start the tone, and maybe get a touchdown. And kind of, even though it's 33 to 7, give yourself a little bit of spark. The defense, I believe, it was a three and out, or maybe they got one first down, but the defense put yeah. the clamps on them right away. So it's like you got on and off the field just like that. And then you go get a field goal um, shortly after the, the Vikings score a touchdown. So it's like the Colts for two and a half quarters did like everything they, they should have done. Even again, they were assisted with, with bad turnovers and bad play by Minnesota. And then it's just like they just stop playing. And yeah. they just stop playing. And like I said, that's what leads to a, a historic collapse. It's not just 33 to nothing at halftime. That's bad enough. It's 33 to nothing midway through the third quarter. Yeah. There's 830 left when when Minnesota finally got on the board. So it's yeah, it, it's a historic collapse. It's it's unacceptable on on every level. Uh, I totally agree with you. I think I don't think there was much chance. We we've talked about that several times. I don't think there was ever much chance of Jeff Saturday getting this job full time. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know how with the last two games, 62 points in the fourth quarter and overtime allowed w without a point scored um, that alone, you know, without the historic comeback is something that, that, that you can't even fathom. Um, there's no way in my mind he holds on to this job. Um, but I also think they're going to have a tough time. The other thing I was thinking at halftime was maybe they're, making some interest in this job with some candidates out there. Maybe there's some guys 
watching this, potential head coaches who are saying, you know, there, there's talent here. There's something to work with. That may still be the case. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of coaches out there who feel like they could have held on to a 33-point lead today um, since no one in NFL history had ever failed to do it before today. But it just doesn't feel like – I don't know how this game helps them in, in, in any way other than draft position. And that's the most like, and that's why this this loss, even though again it's good for the draft position. And overall, again, we talked about if you said Friday when you're doing the preview pod, hey, the Colts lose again. I don't really, I couldn't find a negative to that. The only thing that like you said is with this historic collapse and it's following you around everywhere the rest of the season. You're going to hear about it. You're going to hear about it all off season. I mean, look at the butt fumble, Mark Sanchez, George. That was like, it's and in, and in terms of history, nowhere near like you know a historical moment, but that's one of those plays that lives in infinite no matter what. And now it's like you hear the, the Oilers come back uh, or the Oilers collapse against the Bills. You're going to hear the butt fumble. You're going to hear this 30 come comeback for the rest of time. Like this is never going to go away. The Colts are now forever etched in history. And I will say this. I think the only way it's worth it, the only way that you can feel better about it and I'll feel better about it as a Colts fan is if you are able to get Bryce Young. If they are sitting there, pick number six or number five, and they're able to trade up or maybe, God forbid, or, you know, maybe somehow for some reason Bryce Young starts to fall and you're able to get him. If you are, if we are sitting here end of April with Bryce Young in a Colts uniform, this loss, this collapse, absolutely worth it. I'll hear the jokes. You can make the 33 nothing jokes. You can make the 28 to 3 jokes with Matt Ryan and that poor guy. We'll talk about him in a second uh, on the edge of two historic collapses. It is all worth it. It is absolutely all worth it. Other than that, this is just, like I said, a, a stain where even in a situation that helps benefit the team, the Colts still find a way to have you feel frustrated and upset, even when overall like, the net was a positive because you get better draft position with the loss. It's like this team has found an elite ability, George, elite ability, and making fans feel upset, pissed off, frustrated, even when a result does go their way in what is overall, again, a loss that helps benefit the draft position. It's still, frankly, I don't know if we can curse, but I'm taking a risk here. Shitty feeling. It's it's rough, uh, and and when you couple that with what happened in Jacksonville the last year at the end of the year, and 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 the way that loss ended, and and that was its own historic collapse. You know, losing to to the team with the number one pick, uh, first time that's happened in NFL history, where where the team with the number one pick keeps the team out of the playoffs in the final week of the regular season. So, um, you know, two straight years here where it's going to be long off seasons. Um, I think a lot of lingering doubt, and and I think the question now has to be asked how close is Jim Irsay now to, to completely cleaning house? I mean, we've talked most of, of the year about feeling like Chris Ballard safe. And obviously when Jeff Saturday was introduced, uh, Irsay made it clear that, you know, gave him the, the dreaded vote of confidence. So is that still the case? I mean, how does this loss reflect, reflect on Chris Ballard? Um, given that this offense, look, the defense, again, I'm not going to let them off the, the hook at all. They were, dreadful it, for the last 33 minutes of this game counting overtime uh they didn't really do anything right and and obviously you can't ever blow this kind of lead but i think you also saw in the second half the limitations of this offense just just how bad this offense is i mean yes they put up 36 points 14 of those came from the defense and, and special teams like you said they were never really moving the ball well even when they had the 33 to nothing lead they took advantage of some short fields uh they had a couple good drives in the first quarter, uh, but for the most part, it, the offense still wasn't very impressive. And then you get to the second half, where all they really have to do is pick up a few first downs. You know, if you pick up five, six, seven, you know, eight first downs, 
there's not enough time for Minnesota to come back. And, and they were just so inept on offense. They were giving the ball back so quickly, even without the turnovers this time around. And, and I think that's how much culpability does Chris Ballard have in that, given the fact that, you know, there was a lot of talk for a number of years. You got to get more wide receivers. I don't know how much they are to blame in particular for this, but the entire offense has to take a hit here. You know, the offensive line situation, we've talked about that. I think they were that bad today, uh, which is another area here that I think calls into to question um, just how bad this offense is. I, the line wasn't terrific by any stretch of imagination. Matt Ryan still got hit too much, but it wasn't one of their worst games. It was, they weren't um, sticking out the entire day as, as you know, not being able to, to get the job done. I just look at the overall picture and, and I have to ask, you know, does this loss throw Chris Ballard's name, you know, into the fire a little bit as well? I think it has to. I think you bring up a great point. Right? We could focus on Jeff Saturday and him blowing the loss, but also the roster itself. Like they weren't built to be able to, with like, if you can't just even with no, like if honestly, George 33, nothing. And like I said, half, almost halfway through the third quarter, I'm not kidding. Me or you, if we're the head coach, we should be able to, to, to have that lead be safe. And you're right. At the end of the day, it does come down to the players. So I think Jim, uh, Jeff Saturday, without a doubt, has secured his status. But you're right. Now the attention has to go from Jeff Saturday. And these last three games, it's on Chris Ballard. Because you know what, George? The thing for me that was like the, the most frustrating, there's a lot to point to here, but I thought that was the most damning of this roster. Fourth down and one with a chance to ice the game. I thought the show went for the field goal. Jeff Saturday decides to be aggressive and wants to go for it. Fourth and one, the highest paid offensive line in the NFL. Could not get a push. This is the worst defense in the NFL, George. The worst. And you're telling me on fourth and one with a chance to ice the game, prevent yourself from becoming a part of history in a totally negative way. You really couldn't get a push of one yard to get your quarterback to fall forward and ice the game. That, like That's a straight indictment on the offensive line and a straight indictment if you get, look, look up, like you said, to Chris Ballard, the man who constructed this offensive line, the man who thought that left tackle as a bandit and right guard would be no problem at all. It's going to be fine. And that's like that. That's really where you kind of we talked about the offensive line at the beginning of the year. Like today, almost felt full circle. We talked about the offensive line as being the biggest reason why this team struggled early on. And that important seven game stretch, they lost twice to Tennessee. Matt Ryan's fumbled the ball; he stunk, but in large part because they couldn't get any pass protection. And now we're talking week fifteen. The offensive line, not that they were the sole reason to blame, except because everyone's to blame for this loss. There's no one person that skirts blame. There's no one person that's more to blame than anyone else. Everyone's equal. But the offense, you're really telling me, George, you can't on the highest offensive line get one yard on a key fourth down to win the game. That's embarrassing. It's flat out embarrassing. And it sums up this offense all year. I mean, you, you're going against a team that's given up 400 yards in five straight games, which is a, a franchise record for them that they would rather not have. And you can't get one yard to, to put the game away. You're absolutely right. You know, there's another situation uh, that just really shows the limitations of this offense. I understand to some degree the thinking on the offensive line. I, I don't condone it because ultimately uh, you should be going out there and it, with a 37-year-old quarterback and trying to do your best to make sure that he's the, the most protected he could be and has the most weapons he can have. I mean, you're going to bring in a guy like that. You got to do what the Rams did last year and try to make sure that the situation is is you know perfect or, or as close to it as it can be. Um, but I do think that I think the thought process for Chris Ballard goes back to last year. You had offensive linemen dropping left and right, and it felt like they could plug anybody in, and they just kept rolling. They were still able to run the ball no matter what. Danny Pinner would come in at center. They were fine. 
Matt Pryor would play all over the line. They were fine. Didn't matter, you know, the struggles they have with Eric Fisher. They win that game on Christmas Day in in uh, Arizona with, I think, yeah. three starting offensive linemen out. And I'm sure that played a lot into the thought process. So I know where it came from. You know, the idea that last year you could just plug in eight, nine guys and they were able to keep going. But I still think it's malpractice to count on it happening again, you know, to to not shore things up better, especially when you have a 37-year-old quarterback who's not mobile. You knew pass protection was going to be a major component for, for this offense. You had to protect him if, if he's going to have any chance. Uh, and it's really sunk the season. I mean, today the, the blame goes all the way around. But if we're looking at the whole year and, and why you're 4-9-1, pass protection's got to be right at the top of the list.